All right, so today's topic of the day is going to be regarding worship. Um, if everyone could, please turn to John chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. And show of hands, can I get a volunteer to read this, someone to read this verse, please? John 4, 21 to 24. Leah? Yes. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when you shall neither in this mountain, when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such a worship, such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and very good, thank you. So, I have a quick question for all of you. What is worship? Show of hands, anybody? Exaltation. Exaltation. Anybody else? Adoration. Adoration. One more, anybody else? Praise. Praise. Excellent. So, these are all excellent definitions of worship, um, but I believe the Old Testament also gives a great definition of what worship is through the Shema, which is, for those of you who don't know, it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 5. And so if everybody could, please turn to Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4 to 5. So the Shema was what the Jews would pray on pretty much a daily basis. It's... Um, extremely central to the faith, and in the Hebrew, it follows as Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohino Adonai Echad, which translates to Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the following verse, verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And I believe that is a comprehensive view of what worship is, loving God with all your being, your heart, your soul, and your might. So I have a question for you guys. Why are we to worship? Does anybody know? Show of hands. Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy. Anybody else? He's the one true God. He's the one true God. Anyone else? He created us. For his pleasure. Absolutely. Well, as we know, we are Reformed Baptists, and we adhere to the Second Law of Baptist Confessions. And in chapter 22, paragraph 1, um, it reads, The light of nature shows that there is a God who has lordship and sovereignty over all, is just, good, and does good to all, and is therefore to be feared, loved, praised, called upon, trusted in, and served with all the heart and the soul and with all the might. Some supporting verses are Jeremiah 10, 7, Mark 12, 33, Deuteronomy 12, 31, Exodus 20, 4 to 6. So I think that's a pretty comprehensive view of why we are to, to worship, because as some of you have mentioned, we are created in His image. And because He is just, does good for all, and is sovereign over all, we are to love, fear, praise, and call upon and trust in Him. Amen. One more question. Well, actually, I have more than just one more question. This entire study is a Q&A session, kind of, like, um, kind of like a catechism almost. 
So question, how are we to worship? Anyone else? How are, in what manner are we to worship? Spirit and truth. Reverentially. Reverentially. I like that. Lovingly. Lovingly. Humbly. Humbly. Anyone else? Faithfully. Faithfully. Good one. Repeatedly. Sorry, one more time. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. Amen. Amen. So the confession goes on to say, the ex- but the acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by himself and so limited by his own revealed will that he may not be worshipped according to the imagination and devices of men nor the suggestions of Satan under any visible representations or any other way not prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. So, in other words, there are many ways to worship God as I'm sure you've noticed in Many modern times, a lot of churches kind of have the idea of this is how we want to reinvent worship. Um, I remember passing by Dallas the other day, and I was seeing a billboard saying, create church. Well, I don't believe we need to create church. I believe God has already clearly outlined in his word what he wants church to be like and how he wants to be worshipped. Um, think of it this way. If if um, this is a very poor analogy, by the way, but um, let's say it's you're, you want to get a Christmas gift for your someone special, right? And that someone special says, "I would like this for Christmas." And instead, you say, "No, I, I I believe you would rather have a pair of socks. I know you well enough. <laughs> um, you love socks. I'm going to give you the best um, pink socks with floral designs on it, which you enjoy." Um, obviously that person would not be um, quite as satisfied as if you had just obeyed in the first place. Obedience is better than worship. And like I said, this is not the best analogy, but um, God has predetermined in his word a certain way we are to worship, and we are not to uh, reinvent the wheel. Does that make sense? Another good, acceptable, and necessary part of worship is prayer. In paragraph 3, the confession states, Prayer with thanksgiving, being one part of natural worship, is by God required of all men. But that it may be accepted, it is to be made in the name of the Son, by the help of the Spirit, according to His will, with understanding, reverence, humility, fervency, faith, love, and perseverance, and when with others in a known tongue. So... I would like to just go back a little bit and dig a little deeper on that uh, little section. First and foremost, I'm sure you guys have heard in a known tongue. Um, I don't believe it does any glory to God if I were to pray in Chinese. I am fluent in speaking Chinese, but um, if I were to pray in Chinese, none of you could understand that, right? So how would that be edifying to you in any way whatsoever? Um, I believe Paul also wrote in his first Corinthians, right? Um, if we are to pray, it is to be in a known tongue so others won't think we are out of our mind, correct? Um, also, notice that it says we are to pray in the name of the Son by the help of the Spirit. Praying is a Trinitarian act. Um, you wonder, who am I supposed to pray to? Am I supposed to pray to the Father, the Son, the Spirit? You know, they're all... God, but 
it seems as if the pattern in Scripture is that you are to pray to the Father in the name of the Son by the help of the Spirit. And that is typically the default way we are to pray to God. Like anything in Christianity, our worship is Trinitarian in nature. We are Trinitarians by theology. Um, we don't um, believe that the resurrection was just simply, you know, God raising Jesus from the dead or just Jesus laying down his life and raising him or just the Spirit resurrecting. We believe Yes, all three of these things. The resurrection itself was a Trinitarian act, just as everything is in Christianity, because you take out one aspect of one of the Godhead, you no longer have Christianity. Um, but let's reel back in from that tangent I kind of went on to. Prayer is actually not the only method of worship. God has given us many methods to worship. Going on to paragraph 5, the reading of the scriptures, preaching and hearing the word, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, as also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper are all parts of religious worship of God to be performed in obedience to Him with understanding, faith, reverence, and godly fear. Moreover, solemn humiliation with fastings and thanksgiving upon special occasions ought to be used in a holy and religious manner. Um, I realize that often as Christians, we can get into a routine of uh, administering the ordinance, ordinances, such as the Lord's Supper. And right, here we go and again, another month. But um, we should always carefully approach such ordinances as a spiritual act of worship. Um, furthermore... seems to emphasize in this section that, as Leah mentioned before, that you should always worship in a reverent manner, solemn, fastings, fastings. Um, how often have we fasted in the church? That's not something that modern Christians do as much as their ancient counterparts. Would you all agree? Fasting. But Jesus said, it's not if you fast, it's when you fast, you should continue on your daily life as if, you know, continue washing your face, Right. So I have another question for you guys. When and where are we to worship? When and where is an appropriate time to worship? Anybody? Anywhere. Anywhere? Where there are two Anyone else? Sometimes you go in your room and you close the door and pray. That's worship. I like that. Private prayer. Um, Paul Washer once said there is boots on prayer and boots off prayer. Heavy intercessory prayer where you are locked away in your room. You are praying formally. And there's other times you're just driving with your car. It's informal prayer, right? I believe both are necessary to the Christian walk. Anyone else? When or where? When and where are we to worship? <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. So... The answer I prescribed was all the time and everywhere. As uh, Brother Eric taught us a few weeks ago in Romans chapter 12, and I'm just going to read for you guys. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When should you worship? All the time. Where should you worship? Everywhere. Um, Brother Eric mentioned that the problem with being a living sacrifice 
putting yourself on the altar is that a living sacrifice wants to crawl off the altar, right? It's difficult. You have to constantly re-crucify. Not, not that I almost got into heresy. That You almost constantly have to uh, put to death your flesh and put yourself back on the altar. Question, how are we not to worship? Um, and I actually have a few verses I would like people to read. Can somebody read Isaiah 29, 13, please? I got you. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men, Absolutely. So I listed down in that verse that we are not to worship him insincerely. Does anybody else have any further thoughts on Isaiah 29, 13? Don't worship hypocritically. Don't worship hypocritically. Anybody else? Yes? Absolutely. Do not worship for the love of praise or admonition, such as the Pharisees did. The Pharisees loved to pray on the street corners uh, for attention and the praise of man. You were certainly not to do that. Um, can somebody else read Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, please? What verse? 23 to 24. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking the court. Do it while you are still with him on the way. Or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Thank you, Chip. Um, can somebody else read Psalm chapter 66, verse 18, please? You did, thank you. Okay. 66, 18? Yes. If I had harbored sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Perfect. So another way we are not to worship is with unconfessed sin in our hearts. As you can see from these two verses, um, it is crucial for us as children of God to come before Him, before His throne in worship without the burden of having unconfessed sin. Um, I believe God takes it very seriously when we worship Him without first confessing our sins because it is a hypocritical nature of worship. Would you all agree? Mm -hmm. Connected to the Lord's Supper too. Like Absolutely. Examine yourselves before you come. And He even says, if you judge yourselves, you won't need to be judged. Absolutely. Yes. Um, it says in the Psalms also, God uh, exalts those who humble themselves, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. So um, I think it's crucial for all of us. And I know sometimes we can go to church in a hurry. We're just driving along the way. But um, personally, what I do sometimes is before I even go to church or if I'm along the way, I, I really want to scan my heart, see if I've offended God in any way and have not 
uh, confess my sin. You know, it says in 1 John, if we are faithful to confess our sins, he's also faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, correct? And this next one, I'm going to need somebody to read an entire psalm for me. Uh, relax, it's kind of short. <laughs> Can somebody read Psalm 100, please? So as you can see, um, this psalm prescribes joyful worship, uh, one that is sincere in heart, one that is full of gladness, and it is not begrudging worship. Um, not exactly sure if this is completely connected, but probably is. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, God loves a cheerful giver. Is that First or Second Corinthians? First Corinthians? As it is written. As it is written, <laughs> yes. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver in regards to our giving. Giving is part of our worship. So it stands to reason that um, God is not pleased with worship. That is, uh, I have to go to Sunday, another, another Sunday. I really want to stay at home and watch Netflix. Um, God wants worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And he also wants your heart, sincere worship. Um, ungrateful um, worship that is just given begrudgingly, is of no benefit to him and is of no benefit to you. As creatures created in the image of God, we were created to worship. It is our ultimate highest purpose. And when we do so in a lackluster way, lackluster, flippant um, way, it also harms ourselves because it is our own nature to worship. So it is of double detriment, a double whammy, if you will. And speaking of our highest calling, I would like to read with you um, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Um, you know that we as Reformed Baptists take a lot of our theology from the Presbyterians. So the first question and answer of the Westminster Shorter Catechism is questioned, what is the chief end of man? To which the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. If you have kids... I would highly uh, encourage you to inoculate them with this doctrine. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that is supported by verses such as 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which states, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I have another question for you guys. Who is to worship? Who is to worship? Uh, are the squirrels to worship outside? Are the lilies of the field to worship outside? Um, does anybody have an answer? Raise your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Even creation cries out. Everything. Absolutely. Um, and this wasn't included in my 
right out today, but um, in one of the Psalms, Psalm 100 something, I believe, um, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Even the, even the inanimate objects, such as the rocks, will cry out. The heavens declare the glory of God. The planets, everything, the air molecules. Um, you know, I believe R.C. Sproul said that uh, man is the only one of God's creations who willingly rebel against him. <laughs> Um, can somebody please read Genesis one twenty seven, please? Genesis one twenty seven. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Absolutely. He created them in his image. The Latin word is imago Dei, the image of God. So in God's perfect will, which is what he desires the most, as you know, we're all Calvinists, we believe in the sovereignty of God. It is God's utmost desire that all should be saved, that, that none should perish. Uh, of course, we know in reality that is not what actually happens. God has also predestined some to be objects of wrath also for his glory. So, um, some, but in his original design, essentially all humans were designed to worship him. So that's his, his intent. Even, um, I believe, those who are in rebellion against God, because they, are, they have the image of God in that very essence, they are worshiping God. Would you not agree? Can somebody please read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, please? <coughs> Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. Amen. Unto the praise of His glory. So in God's perfect will, all human beings should worship Him. But in His permissive will, what God actually chooses to do in this fallen world, it is His predestined born-again children, His elect, that are the ones who are responsible for worshiping Him. Um, and seeing how not all of God's elect are currently worship Him, part of our job as Christians is to bring in His chosen worshipers, the Great Commission. And can somebody please read Matthew chapter 20, verses 19 to 20, please? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. 
Raise your hands if you believe that sharing the gospel, making disciples of all nations, is an act of spiritual worship. That should be everyone in this room. Evangelizing, sharing the gospel missions is one of the primary missions of the church, and it is a high, high calling that is a great act of spiritual worship. Uh, John Piper once said, missions exist because worship doesn't. Did you guys catch that? Missions exist because worship doesn't. The end call, I mean, the end goal of missions is not obtaining converts in it of self, but is the worship of God, the glory of God. So the missionaries ultimate motive should be for God's glory. That's why he desires, yes, he desires to save souls, but he also desires for uh, the glory of God. Um, and with just some closing thoughts, as we approach God in worship, yes, we are worshiping our King. Yes, we are worshiping our God. Yes, we are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we are also worshiping our Father, our Father with whom we can draw near to. Romans 8, 15-16 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Therefore, let us go and gladly worship our Father in spirit and in truth today. And I ended a little bit early, about 10, 12 minutes early, but uh, it is my first time and... I thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to teach. I really appreciate it. Um, Brother Michael Darwin, would you mind closing us in prayer, please? Thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you for all that you bless us with. Thank you for Jeff and his preparation. Thank you for the message that he brought to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember as forgetful people that we should worship you at all times in prayer and reverentially and um, delighting in the Trinity, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for us. Please be with us now as we go into our hour of worship and enable us to worship you in spirit and truth. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much.